Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Let's see. Uh, man, here, it's April 12th already. I, I don't know how that happened. Um, it means the tax man's only three days away. That's right. That really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I thought we might talk a little bit about that later today. It's it's that time of year where the uh, the old 1040 stomach ache, as I like to call it, Hey, Dan's got a, a week off, and so we're filling his chair with the talented Jason Van Dyke. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, welcome. Thanks for being here. I heard it talked about at the office this week that your opinion of this is that you just kind of sit back and let me ramble on. So, Well, it's been, uh, you've got a proven track record of you being able to talk a little bit. So that's that's a good thing though. That's that's good for the radio, right? That's what you're yeah. supposed to do. I promised myself today that I was going to lean on you and um bring bring out you a little bit here. <laughs> Brilliant. I can't wait. <laughs> hey, we're going to hear more about you. In <laughs> fact, I see a big box of um Kleenex there. You got a little cold or something? I or? got the allergies, man. It's April. Wow. I'll be yeah. I'll be sounding congested and miserable. Yeah. With like the hay fever deal here until um, mm -hmm. June. Yeah, Good I, times. I, they're pretty. Um, Easter lilies, pretty flowers. Get them the heck out of my house, though. I wish I knew what it. <laughs> I really yeah. wish I knew what it was that I was allergic to. And I realize I can go get yeah. poked and prodded like a human pincushion, but I'm just not. I've I've not found that level of motivation yet. Mm -hmm. I wish I knew what it was though. And if anybody out there does know, call and tell me. This really happens to me like around <laughs> April 10th every year. Like you could almost set a clock to it. It has nothing to do with tax season, right? I doubt it. Okay. Good. I mean that that maybe you're allergic to paying that tax. I definitely break <laughs> out from tax oh, season. Check. <laughs> oh, I know I'm allergic to that. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I I don't bring this up for any political reasons at all. I, I don't want to go down that road. I know it's you. You usually like to do this, so I'm not going to engage you. Um, I saw an article yesterday that uh, the Obamas had their um, their taxes. I guess were filed, and now it's known what their income and tax rate was. Oh, good. Yeah. Are they paying their fair share? I was shocked to see that the Obamas only made $500,000 in the year. And I don't mean only, like that's not a sizable amount of money. That's a bigger than the average income by a U.S. citizen for sure. But you would expect commander-in-chief maybe, you know, and, and who knows what all the income streams are or whatever. I know that when you're president, some of them are scaled back. You don't get to be involved in yeah. as many as your normal income streams as you are. But anyway... Um, four hundred thousand dollars a year for the president. So I, don't know I think it's two fifty. Hmm. I think it's two fifty. So it could be interest income, other investments, dividends. I don't. Yeah. Who knows? But I know, didn't look at the returns. I read a headline. He's got pretty nice government housing. So just under five. <laughs> yeah, just under five hundred thousand, and paid ninety eight grand in taxes. 
like a tax rate of 20 and a half percent. And I thought, I really want the president's accountant's number. That sounds pretty <laughs> good to me. Yeah. That's cheap. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it's appropriate to bring this up or not, but I'm seldom appropriate. So I'm going to your wife um, is a tax professional. She's a CPA. She is. Yep. yep. So what's life like for you in April? Wow. You know, this, uh, this time of year is wonderful for me. I start to look at maybe having a, a two parent household again, which is wonderful. It's nice yeah, to... cause it's gonna, it's about to come back to normal. Yeah, exactly. At least for me anyway. Yeah, for sure. So that we always have April 15th marked on our calendar for date for, night, date night. Yeah. Obviously you've got the, the tax bills that are due, but, uh, it's also <laughs> nice to, to have the wife back and, ease some of the bur the household burdens that I've been shouldering. So I definitely have a newfound respect for the single parent this yeah. time of year. And I don't think you really realize that until you're thrown into that. So sure. it's, uh, yeah, but it's uh, yeah. So we're excited to have her back for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I almost wondered if you might be willing to, um, to have her call in and answer some tax questions. I have some tax questions. Is yeah, she listening? Would she be willing? You know, she's on her way to work now. She actually said, you know, I'll call in and ask a couple questions and feel the feel. Yeah, I was kind of curious because, um, I, one of the articles I read this week, there was a handful about taxes actually, but one of them in particular was about, um, tax breaks you get from children. Okay. But then I wondered, you know, it's. Obviously, it's a little late. Most people have already prepared and filed their taxes, I think. Um, but just the deductibility of mortgage interest and maybe mortgage insurance. And um, I, I know some of that stuff is related to income level. So I just thought maybe, just maybe, since you happen to have a good relationship with a CPA, that you could... <laughs> I might be able to hook Grease that up. Grease the palm up. a little bit. Yeah, I might yeah. be able to set that up for us. I'll see what she's got going on in the okay. next hour or so. good. Hey, so I know you and I have done the show before, obviously, um, but I don't think I was here for your first time. I think you filled in for me for your first time. Dan, I think, yeah, broke my cherry as far as the radio show goes. Yep. I really want to talk to you about um, you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I good. thought, you know, it's like usually, a little speed dating type of well, scenario? Well, yeah, kind of. When we have somebody on the show, we usually find out who you are, where you're from, you know, what makes you tick kind of stuff a little bit to establish some of the common ground. And I feel like I missed that with you. And while I'm sure Dan did a great job at interviewing you originally, you know, I just figured if you want something done right, you better do it yourself. All right, let's do so it. So I want to know, because, I mean, I've heard... Through the grapevine that you were in the NFL at one point. Oh, that was a brief stint. Okay. That was a brief stint. I played uh, a few preseason games with the Buffalo Bills in 2000 and had a year off after that, signed a couple contracts, um, was with the New York Giants for a little bit as well, and quickly realized that, that was a pretty tough business to... Uh, to have some longevity. It's not in. as easy as it looks? No, it's definitely not. It's no. definitely not. Some politics involved. You definitely have to, to perform at a pretty high level pretty consistently. So right. it's, uh, yeah, that, that, so that was there. It, uh, I, I learned a lot from that. You know, yeah. the work ethic that was involved in sort of, <laughs> the work ethic that was involved in, in, you know, getting to that point was something that I, I carry into my professional career as well. So, yeah. uh, so I, I'm able to bring that to, uh, to what I do now, which is great. I didn't want to start right in the middle. Um, where are you from? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, can you tell from that? Is that a Colorado? That is. That's the state flag right there. Huh. Yeah. Who'd have guessed? Colorado's a wonderful place, for sure. It's a little cold at times. Yeah. It's, uh, but 
I think this is home now. We always talked about going back to Colorado, and every winter when I go back, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I think my blood's thinned out a little bit. The cold weather, <laughs> the cold weather sort of gets to me. And how do you, how can you beat this weather? You know, how can you beat everything that California has to offer? It's pretty amazing. I appreciate you to not talk about that on the radio today because in the event people are listening, they may start moving here in droves, and nobody wants that. You just got to remember <laughs> that it's a little bit foggy here, but it might be snowing there. Oh, it's it's definitely much different there for sure. Yeah, like 15 below as opposed to 80. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's of a regularly discussed that um, it's just expensive to be here, especially if you're from another part of the country, move to California, and experience a little bit of the sticker shock. Mm-hmm. I call it paradise tax. Exactly. And if you want to live in paradise, then you pay the paradise tax. And if you don't, you boomerang back to wherever you came from and uh, miss us, you will. <laughs> California <laughs> is paradise, man. It just is. Yeah, it is. There's it no really doubt. is. So, um, all right, well, the NFL thing. But what? other than that, siblings, are you a hunter, fisher? <laughs> I do like to fish. I grew up fishing. Uh, take my boy fishing every once in a while, which he seems to enjoy. He's seven now, so we're getting into those uh, early fishing ages, which is yeah. which is definitely fun. And he loves to be outside, and I grew up outside being in Colorado, so we uh, we definitely enjoy the area here for sure. Uh, sister, yes, couple sisters. Grew up with one of them. Uh, yeah. Have kids about the same age as Caden, my boy. So we uh, we definitely get together fairly regularly and have a good time. All Absolutely, right. this age is so fun to be a parent. You know, how old are your kids now? 11, 9, and 5. Wow, see? So you're still having lots of fun, too. It's very fun. It's very busy. Yeah, for sure. For kid-centric sure. house. We're constantly in some sort of something kid mode. You know, pick a kid up, drop a kid off. Kid got holes in his shoes again. It's interesting how your life changes a little bit. We were talking about that the other day, about just the things that you do for fun, where you used to have you know, people over, and you'd have wine, and you'd, you'd have <laughs> these dinners, and now it's, it's a bit different. Slumber parties and tents in the backyard, and kids running all over the place. This it's, week is spring break, starting this week for my kids. Okay. So today is officially their first day. And uh, awesome. My oldest son is like... You know, I'd kind of just like to relax. <laughs> Even he <laughs> is feeling the pressure of running everywhere and going everywhere and doing everything and just being on the go. So I'm, I'm like, I can get behind that, man. Let's, let's we start our kids off. Up. We start our kids off with a pretty crazy schedule from the get go. I think you betcha. I mean, our society is sort of built around that. It's interesting. You look at other societies and how sort of they view family and the time with family and versus the time with work and we seem to be a little bit obsessed with work here in our, our society. So I think we, we train our kids to be that way as well. So Some of my favorite things to do with my kids are try to expose them to the oddness that was my childhood. It was Because it was very different. It was very weird. <laughs> really? Yeah, we played outside. Oh, geez, um, right. Usually until the streetlights came on. I recognized my dad's whistle from seemingly miles away. That yep. was like the summons to come home. Um, we had to have like tough skin jeans because we could tear the knees out of a pair of jeans in a half a day it was just a lot different today we're organizing play dates with people <laughs> yeah, that's and, crazy isn't it and it's unsafe it's yeah. is it uncivilized or unsafe to just let your kid go play you know in the front yard towards the street and find other kids i don't know it just depends on where you're at i think but 
yeah, you just kind of you you wonder you worry about it all the time. Yeah, Where's it's it's at? different today. Yeah, parenting is different than when I was a kid. You used to be able to send the kids to the park. Now you have to go to the park with your kids. That's the way I look at it. There are things about yeah, my childhood, though, that I'm glad are different. Like, for example, yeah. I remember as a young kid, my dad sent me to the store to get cigarettes for him, and that was okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember riding in the car with no seat belt, no car seat for sure. That just. Oh, yeah. Fun times in the back yeah, of the pickup and, sometimes, right? Yeah. Or just yeah. sleeping up on the back dash of the Impala. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best place for a road trip in the sun, you know? We turned out okay, right? So there's, yeah. So there's there are some improvements to today's parenting yeah. um, that fills in some much needed holes, but perhaps at times I feel like we've gone a little bit too far. Yeah, I think the media does that, right? That's sort of their job is to, they, they instill a lot of fear. Yeah. So there's uh you know, you, you see all of the headlines plus the communication that we get now is so instant. So when something happens sure. on the other side of the state, everybody knows about it instantly right. versus, Hey, did you hear about that happened a year ago? Now it's, now it's on your phone immediately. So, so we can all react. So we've become pretty reactive with our kids. I think pretty protective, maybe overprotective. Yeah. But Hey, it, it's all just as it's supposed to be. Well, we love them. Right. So we gotta, we gotta take care of them. That's, yeah. that's, that's what we do. Well, would you believe it if I told you it's already time for the first commercial break? <laughs> already. It really is. down the drain right there. That's we're, it. We're, we're, on the, we're on the 20-after plan here, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the first commercial break. we get back, there, there is quite a bit to talk about. This week, the Dow made some impressive plunges. Yep. Um, the 10-year yield really fell, which mm -hmm. was impressive to me. Um, we had some bank earnings uh, reported. Uh, there's a lot. I actually did prepare. I was ribbing you when I told you that I didn't. I'm ready, kid. I know you're always I'll prepared. Carry you. That's I'll what carry you, do. you. That's what you do. All right, we're going to do this quick break. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543 Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. One, two, three, four. One, two. Let me tell you. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, it's 1022. Um, if you're just joining us, we're lacking the Dan, and we've got a backup Jason. So you're getting two Jasons right now. For the price of one. For the price of one, which is free 99 I might add. That's a good price. Yeah. That's, that's a good price. It's solid. <laughs> you might feel cheated if you had paid anything of value. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn that around. Yeah, Let's yeah. Let's turn that around. All right, well, I wanted to, um, you know, before we do the full economics thing, I, I, I thought there's a couple of really interesting conversations here. Um, and, and I want to know from you before we do this, what's your general, uh, what's your general feeling about the, um, the economy locally and specifically the housing economy? And, and what I'm begging from you here is, do you think real estate values are high and in need of correction? Are they low and poised for appreciation? Um, or do you not have an opinion? Could be something in between. <laughs> yeah, well, too. it feels like it changes pretty consistently. I mean, this you look at some of the numbers and the appreciation levels that we've seen, um, which don't necessarily keep up with some of the job numbers. So there's some concern there as far as I just read an article saying, are we entering a new bubble? And what are the you know what are the predicting um, numbers that will possibly indicate that? But yeah, it seems like recently the people that have been out looking to buy are a little bit shocked at uh, at the housing prices and and how much they've gone up. Let's say over the last six months. So I th I think there's a there's a little bit of sticker shock right now. I heard the win the winner in the county recently has been a Tascadero. Okay. Tascadero's been having some pretty solid price improvements here in, in terms of real estate and it's at least in part to a heavy demand um i've been talking about it for about a month now and now um it's all finaled and in the books my neighbor sold their house put it on the market and sold it literally in less than a week for a full price offer. Wow. And there was multiple offers on the property. Yes. There's a 30 day escrow. It's closed. And then they moved out and the new people are moving in. And I kind of wondered, you know, would they get close to their list price? Would they get their, would they get their list price or would they make a deal? Is the demand still there? And, and it looks like it is in, you know, from most of what I hear, I'm, I'm not drawing my opinions from just this one 
um, example, but rather I'm alleging that this one example is representative of what we're seeing. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot um, of the same thing. I heard at the same time this week that um, the South County prices are actually beginning to soften just a little bit. That there's, um, I'm not, I'm not positive what the exact metrics are, but you know what I heard, and it was by info derived from Keith Bird's site that Atascadero was gathering a little bit of attention for having appreciation, and then Arroyo Grande going the other way. I keep wondering. Um, if the value of real estate is a stable one, should we believe in it? And, you know, I'll give you this analogy because this is kind of how I feel about it. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was involved in a really bad car accident was basically a very poor, a demonstration of some really poor judgment by a handful of teenagers in a car. And thankfully there was no drinking and driving or anything like that, but just a guy that was out of control mm -hmm. couldn't be, we couldn't rein him in. He was, he was driving too fast, unfamiliar with the roads. And we ended up in a rollover accident at like 70 miles an hour. And for years after that experience, um, Every corner in a car had potential. I felt that potential rollover. I felt that insecurity that sure. I was unfamiliar with before. When we cornered before, that to me was the natural feeling of a left turn at a moderate speed. And, and it's not until you kind of experience that tipping point that you recognize that maybe you shouldn't be so secure in the feeling of normalcy because once you recognize the emotions that what it takes to upset it you sort of that becomes part of you so for years I, I was uncomfortable going around turns in a car because i remember every the slight sensation that reminded me of flipping over and now i kind of feel that way about the real estate market um, I believed it was stable and I believed it was strong. I knew it was appreciating. I also, I'm no fool. I knew that it goes through cycles. It goes through ups. It goes through downs. Um, we all expected at 35% a year appreciation that it was going to come down at some point. I mean, the term bubble was kicked around all the time. Mm -hmm. You remember that, right? Sure, Housing absolutely. was the big bubble right. after the dot-com bubble and the tech bubble and um, so anyways, now my, my analogy here just to, to loop it together for you, since we've been through that and I know that it can go up too fast and it can come down even faster and it's just really, um, has some volatility that I didn't, I didn't really know before. I didn't believe intrinsically that, Hey, yeah, these things are capable of doing some really bizarre things. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about the real estate market. You got to be a little bit cautious of. This thing, this thing is kind of bizarrely unpredictable, right? So now I watch it with a different eye, having, sure, having sure. watched this. Um, and so I wonder, I feel like it's my job to, to worry out for all my clients and my employees and this industry. And, and even for purposes of the radio show, I feel like I, at sometimes I kind of feel like the shepherd, you know, so I'm, I'm overseeing a lot and I'm trying to, to make some really cautious careful decisions about what's going on. And so I pay attention to a lot of things this week, a couple things piqued my interest here. And I, I, I shared it, um, with a real estate group that I talked to midweek and I found that a lot of people were pretty surprised by this. So 
I saw I'd bounce it off of you for uh, listenership reasons here. We'll talk about this, and and, and maybe we'll take some phone calls about it too. But um, here's a couple of things that are coming down the pipe that um, we may or may not be anticipating. And it's it's not my interest in just sharing doom and gloom news, but the these this is real stuff here. Um, so first and foremost, um, it's been about five years um, since we've been doing the um, the HAMP loans, HAMP and HARP. Um, you remember as part of TARP, we came up with the Home Affordable Refinance Program mm-hmm. and then also the Home Affordable Modification Program. Um, the HAMP loans, the Home Affordable Modification Program, they're releasing some reports from within right now. The Special Inspector General for the TARP program in the in their report stated that 88% of the nearly 900,000 active HAMP loans will receive will see their payments rise between now and 2021. The reason that's freaky is adjusted loans that were modified for one reason or another have a really high frequent um, occurrence of redefault. Would this would this be considered or fall in the category of kicking the can down the road? Kind of, yeah. If you you know, so so bottom line is, yeah, we had people that had interest rates that were too high, negative equity, and people that got these HAMP loans were delinquent. Right. They damaged their credit. They have already suffered the ramifications of having low credit. They were willing to not pay their mortgage. They got somebody to work a deal out with them um, where their interest rate or balance was temporarily reduced. And they were sort of given a patchwork plan. And um, for the most part now, it's been five years. So the five-year programs, now we're seeing those things come back through. And we know that those people that had it in them to default before are now having their payments increased. And so the question becomes, will they redefault? And like I said, it's a, this is a group that we know there's an unusually high occurrence of redefault. It's more than 50%. Um, and it has been. That's why we got going on the trial modification programs that we did. Um, so this is 900,000 loans. And 88% of them are going to experience increases in payment. And it makes you wonder, is there potentially some more um, default bank stress, foreclosure, short sale um, type of activity coming ahead? Um, and... This would lead you to believe that the answer is yes. And so these these loans that you're talking about, are, are these are the loans that had some principal reductions as well then? Sometimes, not always. In fact, I would argue um, that most of the time, not a component of principal reduction. Okay. This is the kind of loan where you had an interest-only loan. Um, and in some cases, you may have even had... And, and not under the HAMP program itself, but other modifications. They they did do uh, modify um, 
loans that had negative amortization, like where right. the payments were unusually low. Sure. And the readjustment caused people just like, it's impossible for me to afford that. Uh, but for the most part, what the HAMP program was is it corrected your house payment to where it was 31% of your um, your household income. Okay. 31%, you do loans. You you recognize 31% is very low. It's conservative for sure. Very low. Yep. Um, in fact, most people would be very relieved if their house payment made up only 31% of their budget. Sure. Um, oftentimes, people that we work with are higher than that by um, 35, 40%. 45% is pretty normal. I mean, that's really kind of the first threshold of if you get higher than 45, you may not get your loan approved. And then 50% becomes kind of the venturing on beyond this is greatly reducing your odds of getting a loan. So anyway, these people have their payment adjusted to become 31% of their gross income. And now they, whatever their rate was, usually they were given like a 2% rate cut the interest rate down to 2%, leave it there for a few years. Um, you'll get your household income up because the overall economy is going to be turned around by its time to deal with this. Probably going to have some um, recovered house value. So it bought time for the banks, right? Bought sure. time for the borrowers, bought time for the banks, kind of kept some of this glut of inventory of foreclosures from coming through. But those guys are going to, um, they're going to see some pain. Um, because of how Hampt work, we know that um, their rates are going to be um, up to about 5.4%. That will be pretty much the average normal for somebody that got a HAMP loan. So that's higher. I mean, even today, the rates that are getting doled out are around four and a half or something. So that's almost a whole point higher. Um, and in some cases, the the loans have been made into like a 40 year amortization that's due in 30 years. Right. So you pay a payment that would take 40 years to break it, but at year 30, you got to give them the balance. So it's basically a balloon. Sure. Um, and so at any rate, um, these are coming and, um, so you're predicting some some more foreclosures coming. That's sort of what you're you're thinking. Yeah, and I didn't fully understand last month. We saw um, the FHFA director said that he believed that the peak of the recovery rate was behind us, hmm. and I was really fascinated by that verbiage because I wondered what that meant. Um, now I'm beginning to wrap my mind around what that means. What that means is the rate at which we're reducing foreclosures the rate at which we're reducing losses and the rate at which people are going into default was falling at a faster pace a year ago than it is today. Hmm. So the peak of the recovery, though we're still in a recovering mode, sure. the rate at which we're recovering has slowed. So that that's really interesting to me. I wonder, well, if mentalities turned around and we've, totally reversed home devaluation now into stability and appreciating. We gave people five plus years now of refinancing into really low interest rates with creative programs and all the like. We've changed the sentiment 
four or five years ago, owning real estate was like, why would you? That's not smart. It's worth less this year than the prior year. You certainly don't want to go out and buy more. If you have some, you may as well try to ride it out. Um, you know, was, we've changed that. People now see real estate as a sound investment. Um, but so anyways, kind of tying back into this, the overall default rate um, at the end of last year was um, 28% in these HAMP loans. In a In a classification of borrowers where their likely default rate is 50%. So it's not bad, but that's also not very good success rate on seeing those people come through. Now here's the second part of this. Um, there, in addition to the HAMP, what I'm going to call the HAMP default risk. I don't know how else to say it, that's but good. there's like 900,000 of these loans Historically, they have about a 50% default rate. There's 450,000 people that potentially may default. Um, that's 450,000 households. That's a lot. It is a lot. That makes up more, at the current pace, that makes up more than the amount of homes we build in a year. I think the, so, the values of those homes are important to analyze as well. I think uh, five years ago, you know, there were, as property values are dropping, it's a lot easier to walk away from that house. Sure. Where, where if you were, and that's why I was asking if these were um, situations where they had some principal reduction, because if you've got in built some in cases, but the principal reduction that was given for these type of people was um, usually kind of a silent second. Okay. Like I had one this week for a gal for a condo down in Grover. Um, she owed three twenty five. And when she got her HAMP modification, they made it 275. They didn't forgive that 50,000. They just calculated the payment due for her because what she could afford was 275 at 2%. Right. This is your new payment for five years. Sure. But now the five years is coming due. There's still 50,000 that's owed. And this week, one condo in that project closed for 309. So wow. she's still underwater. Right. Payment is about to go back up. And technically the balance of her loan is 275, but it's known that at time of sale or refi, she's owes that full 325. So this is a person that and you know, at the end of counseling, I suggested short sale. Sure. I don't know what else to say. Sure. The payment is unpredictable. It's going to go up. You never found a permanent fix, you know, at this position with negative equity um, and everything else going on with this person financially, just personally, um, unsustainable path. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be in that situation where five years ago, they're, they're, they're finding themselves in the same situation today. Yeah. And I think it, a big function of that. Well, cause look at the, you touched on this a minute ago, but look at the jobs market from five years ago. Right. How much has changed? Sure. How many have we added and how many of what we added are household jobs? Last week's jobs report, we talked all about, Oh, Hey, look, we created a decent amount of jobs, but what stole the headlines? We've replaced the 8.8 .8 million jobs we lost. Noted. Uh, we replaced them with like 
hotel, sure. waiter, restaurant, you know, basically we put them, we took head of household jobs and lost them. And what we've come back with now are hospitality jobs that are not head of household. Sure. So five years ago to today, the employment market, I'm not going to say it's not better. I'm glad we've made the progress we've made. It's been stubborn. Sure. There's a lot of recovery left to come in the jobs market and housing and jobs. This is what this whole thing's all about. Right. Um, so now I'll do that radio trick where you tell somebody what you have to talk about. There's a whole second wave of potential loan trouble and foreclosures to the tune of, oh, what is it here? Um, $529 billion HELOCs are wow. coming. And so I'll tell you after the break about those home equity lines of credit. And this is fun for me because on Mortgage Matters, I talked about this five years ago, that we were going to get to this point when all these HELOCs recast. And what does that mean for the housing market? So this is going to happen at the same time as we weather our way through these HAMP loans. And I do, I think it's indicative of what may come uh, in the next couple years here in the real estate market. So let's do this uh, commercial break here, last one of the hour. And when we get back, we'll dive back into it. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
And all right, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters, and I recognize this song um, to be heavily rocking. It is heavily rocking, isn't it? Yeah. Judas Priest, living after midnight. How could that not rock? I wasn't allowed to listen to Judas Priest growing up. Uh, great I think show. It, I think it was viewed as demonic or something. Did they, didn't they do something like that? Have like yeah. a pentagram logo or something? Who knows? But Kiss was supposed to be, you know, satanic too. And uh, I don't know. I'm not allowed to do that <laughs> stuff when I was a kid. Hey, so we only got 15 minutes and I want to get all the way through this because it's bad news and I don't like dwelling on the bad news, but I feel like it, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. So I mentioned before the break, there's 900,000 modifications that were extended, of which um, 88% of those are going to experience increases in payments over the next several years. Um, some of those do have uh, bizarre balloons that are associated with them or silent seconds, things that are just sort of abnormal that cause people angst and stress. Nobody wants to know that they're not paying the whole ticket for what their mortgage costs or that it's going up at some point and there's nothing they can do about it, all these kinds of things. So that we need to keep an eye on. Now, at the same time that this is going on, um, home equity lines of credit. You remember those. Did you ever get, get yourself a home equity line of credit? It was sure did. Yeah. We had one. How'd it work? We had one. It was, uh, well, we got a letter in the mail saying it was closed. Okay. So that happened about five years ago and actually applied for another one uh, about a year ago and was able to get another one with uh, with home appreciation. So, sure. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a good tool if it's, uh, if it's done right and you're responsible with it. If you it. got like a mortgage in 2003, 4, or 5, walk into Wells Fargo, ah, I'm going to take advantage of these new lower rates, I'm going to refinance my mortgage, they would usually talk you into getting a line of credit behind your mortgage. Yeah, they'd have the paperwork ready. Yeah, if, I mean, we're already here. in here. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, don't don't go for a teeth cleaning and not get that filling. If you got to sit down in the chair, get her done. Exactly. So they were like, hey, you're in here to get a new first lien. Here's a line of credit for you. Yep. Um, in fact, here's a checkbook that goes with it, and this one's a debit card. And just go use this thing. And we know that a disproportionate amount of refinances included cash out and lines of credit during that era. Um, this is where we all joke about how people use their homes as ATMs, mm -hmm. bought you know jet boats and stuff like this, going to the river, living living off of their equity more more so than the income they actually made from their job. Bad decision. So I want to talk about um, the home equity line of credit and how it works. Not many people understand how this program actually works. Doesn't matter what your loan amount is. Doesn't matter what you did with the money. Doesn't matter um, what bank you got it with. By and large, this is how it functions. It's a 25-year loan, okay? And during the first 10 years... The amount of money that you've used or drawn on your line of credit for that first 10 years, you pay interest only, so you're not required to pay back any of the principal, just the carry cost of the interest. And this is the part where we call it the draw period. You can draw it, you can pay it back, you can have a zero balance. All, run it up, pay it off, run it up, pay it off, use it for payroll for your company, use it to 
put the down payment on that investment property you're flipping, use it to buy that condo in Maui, use it to put your kid through college or your wife into um, a care facility, use it for whatever you want in 10 years, you can pay it back or not. But if you carry a balance, you're paying your interest only portion. Month 121, the coach wake up, the wake up turns into the pumpkin. Yes. Yeah, it, it was this beautiful carriage adorned with sequins and lights and beautiful people in it. Strike a midnight, month 121. Now what you've got is an adjustable rate loan, fully amortized. Now you need to pay principal and interest. Which typically will almost double your payment in yeah. some scenarios. And... and um, by the way, this thing's adjustable rate, so it's usually prime plus some kind of a margin. And um, the so you find yourself in a position of like, oh, wow, not only can I not use it anymore to draw on it, but now I owe it, and I owe it over a 15-year period at a fully indexed, fully amortized rate, could be as much as double. So 10 years is when it happens. 2014, let's take 10 off, 2005, 2004, 2005. That's about the people we're reconciling with right now. Right, right. So 10 years ago, 2004, midway through 2004, we had folks using lines of credit. It was really popular. Lots they were of, everywhere. Yeah, lots of appreciation, lots of equity in the properties, and people wanted to tap into that. So you hit you hit on this, but during the, the drop in equity, what happened? A lot of people said um, the bank came and just sent them a letter. Your line of credit is closed. You may not take any more out on this. Usually it closes, and if they don't close it, they just make your balance the new credit limit. Right, exactly. So if you owed, you had a hundred thousand dollar line, you owed thirty five thousand on it. Now your line is a thirty five thousand dollar line, and your option is to pay it back or just keep breaking it even, make the minimum payment every month. So those people are now paying the piper, and every month a new wave of folks see their payment readjust. And so the banks now have $529 billion in home equity lines of credit um, that are being held. And these payments are going to come due. These payments are going to go up. And, you know, if you're in a position to pay it off, then fine. You're not the one we're worried about. In the event that you're not the one that can pay it off, let's just say... Um, you have carried, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on your line of credit. If it's currently at 3% and you're paying interest only, you're paying $300 a month to keep that hundred grand out. Mm -hmm. Um, so the point is the banks are facing some potential losses in these HELOCs as they come due over the next few years. We're 10 years past the peak of when these were being issued um, we're, we're nearly 10 years past. We're hitting that mark. Every month we add more people. Right now we're dealing with the people that got their HELOCs in 2004, in, in April of 2004. So we need to go through May, June, July, August. For the next year and a half, there's just going to be more and more pressure on the banks to be dealing with these people that um, hopefully can afford the payment that they knew has been coming for 10 years. 
This was sort of um, the environment that they were we were dealing with uh, ten years ago as well. Is maybe we didn't necessarily see even with the teaser rates that we saw on some of these easier programs. Well, nobody ever anticipated going past that. Right. Exactly. You were gonna you were gonna have this <clears throat> solved long before that payment doubled. Right. You were gonna sell this house. You'd probably be six or eight houses down now. You'd you you've already flipped six houses they've all gone up 35 percent a year you're a multi-millionaire now the last thing you're worried about that stupid hundred thousand bucks you took out of your house that was the plan right, right? did that I mean, not work out like we planned this whole... sadly not okay okay yeah. and so also qualifying for those loans was a, a little bit of it's a little misleading i mean the, the qualifications for those home equity lines was based on the interest only payment so no one ever said, okay, here's your maximum loan amount, $100,000 equity line. And if you have it maxed out at $100,000 10 years from now, this will be your new amortized payment. They didn't qualify based no. on that payment because that, it, for a lot of people right now, that's reality. That's yeah. what they're facing. And so is this, a, is this a freaky groundbreaking amount of money? No. For the average person, their line of credit payment's going to go up by five to 600 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. That's not crazy. If you're already struggling to keep ends met, that that's a lot of money, 500 bucks. That If you are on a tight budget and you're scraping, you already gave up Starbucks, you turned off Charter, you know, you're, yeah. you've done everything you can do to keep your household budget in line, five, 600 bucks is a lot of money. Right. So now I want to just pose to you a friend of mine. A friend of mine has one of these lines of credit. And it's coming due, $200,000. Payment is going to go up in this case by like $950 a month. And by the way, once it does adjust, it's still adjustable. It's based on prime plus a margin with a cap at about 24%, 23.99. Wow. So this thing can go up for ever a while right and and you know there's 15 years left to paying the thing back so five years from now this payment may be double what it is today if the prime rate goes up to eight put the margin on it of two you know you're paying 10 percent on this money it's pretty wild so anyways friend of mine two hundred thousand dollar um second from oh five so he's staring this puppy down knows that the piper needs to be paid next year um right behind his hamp loan Oh, Hamp Loan um, did a loan modification where it's a, a 40 due in 30 and the interest rate's been reduced, but the interest rate's going to go up to that 5.4 mark um, this year. Sounds like trouble. Sounds like trouble. Yeah, totally. And house is still underwater. So how much of this are we going to see play out i don't know but the the fact is is that these things are sort of looming and there are pe the people that know about this stuff are worried about it we understand that the impacts are um potential <laughs> yeah, nobody huge. knows how far or how wide or how deep these impacts may be but they have potential um so i just kind of watch that with a careful eye i I'm like looking at the real estate market kind of coming full circle here. We only have a few minutes left in the hour, but that was the point is, um, how do you feel about the real estate economy right now? Well, I'm, I'm watching it with a watchful eye. I, I worry that there's these little things that plague it. Um, I know we had a few years of some pretty good 
recovery under our belt that really got hit with the wet blanket last year when the feds began the tapering um activity has slowed down quite a bit um you know i the next part that this ties into and i think i can hack this out before we get into the break is that yesterday we learned about some bank earnings and um this is particularly interesting to me because uh, we're wrangling with a reduction in volume at our company. We're not as busy as we were a year ago. That's just, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to say that. It's been the norm. Uh, we're still working hard on growing market share and doing everything that we need to be doing. Um, but um, everybody's loan volume is down. And by the way, last year, this is a really interesting, this is going to carry over into the next hour. Um, I, had, I had a feeling. I, I read that we're at the lowest mortgage origination level since 2000. Yeah. And, and not be- just us, but, but just nationally. Before I move on completely from my, my cause for concern here with those HAMP loans and those line of credits, the banks have, um, they're facing some threats then, right? Is that, I, I recognize that I've posed the argument here, but... My point is these banks, they, they're at risk of a little bit more financial strain. The HAMP loans and the line of credit, we've seen bank consolidation, right? We've, we sure. watched these banks get cooked down into a few small participants. Um, There's still millions of people that uh, are homeowners that are still underwater that haven't, haven't taken advantage of these programs. So that, that's because. Still of the recent success in the economy, the banks have been allowed to reduce the reserves they set aside every year for trouble. And in 2013, Bank of America and Wells Fargo just has two case studies. They each set aside five billion less than they did in 2012. Wow. For these these legacy issues, these these budget problems, these cash flow crunches that they suffer from these losses, for a few years there under the basal requirements, the stress test stuff, they were told, you need to stockpile more cash sure. to be braced and ready for problems. Well, we navigated a fair amount of the problems, so we sort of loosened the requirements on a little bit. They held $5 billion less last year than they did the previous year. So if there's a, a little trouble on the horizon here, it's not exactly comforting to know that the banks have already begun saving less money to wait out the, the problems. Doesn't sound like we're prepared. And I know a little bit about bank profit and volumes. So that's what I want to talk about when we get back from this break. Guys, it's a few minutes here. We're going to do commercials for the top of the hour. So go get some more coffee, water the dogs, do what you got to do. We'll be back in a few minutes here for more Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. 
think you were rewarded if you were here during that first hour because now you got a little you got a little glimpse into what's coming. What's happening? What's coming? This, ain't, yeah. this this stuff is not on you know CNBC right now. You're not going to be reading about this on Yahoo. It's not talked about on whatever that loudmouth show is on you know CNN. For a couple reasons, I think first of all, there's not a lot of room for the doom and gloom guy. <laughs> no, no, we're still trying to pump up the economy for sure. We're still trying to feed good news. Yeah, and I mean. You remember all that shadow inventory talk, like when the recovery was getting some steam, there was plenty of naysayers. There's always a naysayer. There's always somebody standing around say, it's not what it appears and you should, you should run the sky is falling. That's certainly not my intention at all. Um, I actually think that it's possible we could weather it fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is sort of counterbalanced by the fact that we haven't built homes in so long that just keeping up with population growth and um, all this so that we have this pent up um, demand still mm -hmm. and that this is going to come at a pace that even if these things lead to more short sales and foreclosures, even if it does, I think it's going to be absorbed at an acceptable pace where we probably won't feel it. I was going to ask you that. If you sort of felt like what might be coming in the way of those type of distressed properties may, may be absorbed by the, the demand that there is right My now. My gut tells me that it's around here for sure. Are there some places where it might be disproportionate? Because, you know, a lot of this stuff is really highly concentrated. Right. Well, I was talking to this real estate group this week. We were talking about this topic. And I said, hey, there's not a lot of harp loans done here in slow county there's there wasn't a lot of modifications done here mm -hmm. um they're just it wasn't that rampant and part of the reason why is that there was parts of our county that had some bad depreciation some deep drops in value but there are some parts of the state that are decimated still sure where values just plummeted and people lost all their equity and uh, so I really do think that there are some places where they may feel the pinch. It's not going to happen here. Right. Um, is it maybe in Bakersfield? I don't know. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think the sky's falling by any means. But you know what this is going to impact and where I think the bigger risk lies is it affects perception. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that most people feel about the real estate economy is what are they seeing in the drive-by media what are all the headlines saying and we we care so much now what's happening with stocks and particularly the financial stocks right i mean part of the reason everybody's been feeling as good as they have is that your investment accounts are worth now what they were in 2008 right you like you recovered Got feel pretty good back. about yeah, that exactly. your 401k is kind of back right right i mean some people looked at that and was like i'm so screwed my retirement turned into nothing and now yeah. you hear people saying yeah all you gotta do is ride it out and that was a good a really good example of why you don't panic sell at the bottom if you stay put it eventually comes back sure so um i think that generally has people feeling a little bit better what are the impact this is going to have on bank stock. We're going to see these financials get pinched a little bit more. And remember, 
just like last year, they held five billion less for reserves than the previous year. Right. So they're not going to be flush with the cash they need, and these things are going to sting a little bit. They right. just are. Um, the big banks that have the lines of credit now, um, there's a top few. Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo. These hold um, big, big chunks of the $529 billion in those HELOCs that are out. B of A having the biggest portion. They have $81 billion, billion with a B, of home equity line of credit that's coming due in the next few years. So they're going to they're going to deal with this. It's and it's going to go one of two ways, I think. You're going to have a high level of performance. These guys are going to make good interest income as they get capital infused back into the companies. Remember, these people are paying only interest only right now. When it turns into fully amortized, they're going to be sending in bigger chunks of money. So the banks are either going to be flush with cash, good profits going to really steam the economy forward, or or, they're going to feel a pinch, right. and they're they're going to be kind of going into a little bit of a tailspin, trying to figure out how to absorb this into the balance sheets and post profitable quarter after profitable quarter. My little uh, radio segue here into bank profits. We learned yesterday of bank profits, and um, this is the real deal, man. Um, here you go. So far, what we. We, this week, we knew that we were going to get Chase and we were going to get Wells Fargo. Chase released yesterday saying that um, net income for the first quarter of 2014, $5.3 billion. It's a big number. That's a big number. That's good income. Sure. I, I'm not going to scoff at that. I wish I made $5 billion in the last four months. They made... They made $5 billion, uh, $5.3 billion, okay? Now, just these, these are big numbers, and I want to make sure that you keep them in context. So um, I'm going to go back and say $529 billion in HELOCs that are potentially having some trouble going forward, $5.3 billion in profit. I'm glad they're still profitable. I'm glad that they're making money in spite of the lower volume. Um, put it into context a little bit. In 2013, they made $6.5 billion. So they're, they're down, um, making less profit. Um, their net income was $114 million, which is a decrease of $559 million from the prior year. So the... Um, the numbers are dropping. The margins are falling. These guys are doing less than they have before. Um, Wells Fargo shed a little bit of light on the subject, too, talking about the home lending originations. This is where the banks have been most profitable. They're not making a lot of money off debit fees and free checking accounts. Sure. The mortgage business is where they make their money. Um, Wells Fargo reported its home lending originations amounted to kind of a pathetic $36 billion dollars. Um, in the quarter, you know what the prior quarter was, or, or that a year ago, the same quarter, a hundred and nine billion. Wow, went from a hundred and nine billion the same period a year ago to thirty six billion. That's a big drop, and I'm not terribly surprised in that. 
Wells Fargo's cut 7,000 jobs in the same period. Right. They've been leaning out. They knew this was coming. They've been doing a lot to keep what they have on track. Um, but that's a big drop. Yeah. I mean, consider that. This Let's remove a bunch of zeros off of these numbers and take it to a household level because I think this helps make the point. Sure. Your household income went from $109,000 a year to $36,000 a year. That's just slashing zeros. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Oh, think you'd have a correction? A little bit. Yeah, you're you're going from eating those ribeyes that you were enjoying to perhaps getting a can of spam. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. You you are needing to figure out how to retool in a big big way, um, and so that's just something that we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward. We're going to have to watch um, how they weather this storm. Um, if these banks, because their profit is down because their volume is down, and then they're met by HAMP loans redefaulting and line of credits that aren't being paid on, could they get pinched to where now the headlines are captured by, is this the double dip? The financials are tanking because of real estate related losses Mm -hmm. due to foreclosures. Mm -hmm. Could that cause drops in the Dow and a change in the public sentiment that says that, you know, I, well, if that's what's going on, I saw what happened last time. I don't want to be a part of your real estate buying now. Could that happen? Um, That's, I guess, one possible outcome. Do you think that, uh, that the, the credit tightening and the guidelines tightening up over the last couple of years has a big part to do with the, the amount of money that they're making. I mean, obviously, they're writing less loans. Loans are definitely more difficult to get now than they were previously. Do you think that that's sort of a consequence of those guidelines tightening? Yeah, that's a double-edged sword, though. I mean, yeah, it's harder to get loans today because we're much more aware and cautious about the risk of types of loans and the quality of the collateral and the the credit worthiness of the individual and fully documenting the income and assets and all that um, the cost to originate a loan has more than doubled right, it's in, it's changed. nearly tripled um, within that year time period that yeah, we're comparing as well yeah and um, so all of the regulation and compliance aspect of this has definitely slowed the volume for sure Rates have gone up pretty significantly as well over that that year. Yeah, so in the same a full, time, a full point in interest rate for a mortgage. So, but at the same time, one of the things that's keeping this market thawed, because remember there was a goal here with TARP to simply thaw the market and and create a situation where people could borrow, and right. that and not only could they, but they would because rates were low. That worked, and mm-hmm. arguably it's still working. I mean, 4.5% for a 30-year fix is pretty ridiculous. It's very good. So it worked, and it's working. Um, one of the things that's fueled that along is the fact that everybody – you can hang your hat on how high quality and what a high likelihood the loans issued today have of performing. Right. You, you know that. They're the best loans that have been made in the history of real estate in this country. They're from good. What, from what I've experienced as well as talking to homeowners, as far as talking to the, the inventory, uh, especially in this area, 
Um, I think that may have been sort of one of the unintended consequences of of giving out all of these super low interest rates because you have a lot of homeowners now who, you know, potentially looking at selling maybe around Christmas time just before they talk to a realtor, they find out what their home value is, they revisit it a few months later, and all of a sudden, you know, they just made twenty, thirty thousand dollars in equity on their property, and they're also locked into a three and a half percent interest rate that they they somehow got over the last couple of years because of you know the rates being artificially low. So now you find people that maybe typically would sell and put that sale for sale sign up in their home, where now they're they're second guessing that and they're hanging on because they've got a commodity now that's that's gaining in value and the cost to to maintain that loan they can't get. You know, right. if they sell, they're not going to be able to get that three and a half percent interest rate anymore. So I think that sort of is bogging down maybe some uh, some sales from hitting the markets. Oh, you betcha. I mean, I, I feel like I'm in that boat. I'd, I've had a tentative plan to sell my house in um, after the first of the year here because then I can avoid the capital gains on it. And I want to take what I got and go into a slightly bigger house mm-hmm. because we're, it's a tight fit. My boys share a room. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to give them their own bedrooms. And... Um, but hey, I have a 3.25 30-year fixed. It's tough to get rid of that. Am I going to get rid of that? Yeah, yeah. And swap that for four and a half? I'm ready to build the kid a tree house so I can <laughs> keep my three and a quarter. Which, yeah. by the way, they have some pretty amazing tree houses right. now. So maybe <laughs> that's a, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? a viable option it for you. It definitely impacts my willingness and desire to sell my house. Absolutely. So I'm not... I, I don't consider, based on that, I don't consider myself a um, a viable candidate to participate in the real estate resale market. Right. I'm not, I I think financially I'm in a position to be a move up buyer. I'd like, you know, they'd like to count me in those stats, sell my house, buy a new one. Um, and I'm telling you, it would be a no brainer for me if I knew I could get that same low rate. Or if there was a program that I could transfer my loan to another property, yep. um, but the that those aren't options. So instead, I sideline myself. And you, you talk about move up buying. I, I read a couple articles this week that sort of touched on that. The simple fact that 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 mindset is is stymied a little bit right now because you know those those upper end properties are also appreciating. So those those values are going up. So the purchase prices for that move up property is is maybe a little bit uh, less attainable than it used to be. But then you're also uh, applying a slightly higher interest rate to that scenario as well. So that's, uh, that is stopping people from exactly your situation. You know, we've got some kids sharing a room, would like to move up. But right now with the current conditions, as far as rates bumping up a little bit as they have over the last year, and then prices being a little bit higher, it, it uh, financially becomes maybe not unattainable, but, uh, but less enticing for sure. Well, at some point you got to just jump in and say, you know, I, that money I save, I just am not attached to and I'm willing to burn it. Right. <laughs> right. That's a strange, that's a strange place to find yourself mentally, um, where you're just willing to toss dollars away. Um, it, not only does it help you accrue equity faster and by having those good low loans and stuff, but, but one of the things is that it's just in the affordability index right because my interest rate is low it is equivalent to almost a hundred thousand dollars worth of purchasing power for me so 
am I really willing to go into the higher rate and buy a house that's a hundred thousand dollars less um, than what it would be apples to apples? And that just feels foolish. Right. right. So at some point you just have to say, I, I'm not, not willing to do that just simply on principle. Right. It's not, not necessarily whether or not I can afford it. That's just foolish practices. Right. And the low loan programs now make it a little bit more expensive and more difficult to move up. I mean, it used to be right where you could come in with low down payment, uh, which made it easier. Obviously, you didn't have necessarily maybe the, as strict um, guidelines as far as income and income qualifications. So that's uh, that's definitely changing the environment as well. Yeah, today's conforming loan limit in our county is four hundred and seventeen thousand. And there's a temporary expansion to that that allows you to borrow on a Fannie Mae loan $561,200. That's a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. When I cut my teeth in the mortgage business back in 02, I was um, underwriting home loans. And Alt-A, that was the alternative A paper loan, That those loans that, you know, the dreaded loan that destroyed the world. Right. Um you know what the loan limit was for an Alte first lien? Don't remember. Six fifty. Okay. Yeah. So you could do an eighty twenty. Right. Where you had a up to a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar first, and then you add on your twenty percent second. You could, you know, it was very common to see an eight hundred and ninety thousand dollar purchase price with an eighty percent first at six fifty and a seventy percent or twenty percent second um, for another two forty or whatever the math works out to be. That was that was kind of common, yeah, yeah. And that's why homes got to be worth so much. Yep, the pool of uh, qualified buyers was greater qualified in parentheses yeah exactly well, i mean i'm not defining what qualified <laughs> that's not your job standard right? is but i heard um, I, I saw that 65 uh, percent of originated loans in 2006 were fixed rate loans and now that's 95 percent. right so we've had some correction there for sure which i think maybe 10 years from now when we're having this conversation uh we'll, the loans like you said will be they'll be much safer loans for the bank yeah um that's interesting that you bring that up, that difference between the adjustable rate and the fixed rate loan. Um, yeah, that'd be a great topic for after the break. Let's do our, our first commercial break here of the second hour. And um, then when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about those adjustable rate loans. And I think it's twofold. What it means to people's mentality in terms of how they view housing but also, is it the right financial tool in your household? Um, that'd probably be some pretty good conversation. Stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. guys welcome back to mortgage matters i'm having a sneezing fit here man allergies oh i hate them oh it's miserable yeah are you taking anything what kind of medication I mean, you want oh i've tried it all i'm i'm generally pretty like pill adverse so mm -hmm. i don't i don't really like that stuff and um but yeah today i've yesterday and today i munched down some over-the-counter things from costco that mm -hmm got even got the Sudafed stuff in them to just try to like drain you out and yeah you look like you're kind of all watery up there i'm feeling good guys i'm feeling yeah. good but you're <laughs> persevering and the show must go on yeah one year you probably remember a couple of years ago last year was bad but it wasn't as bad as the prior year and at one point a doctor called in and said man you gotta get some help <laughs> I said you sound terrible. I was like, ah, fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I should probably go get something. <laughs> well, it goes on for long enough that I end up with like, you know, sinus infection and respiratory infection. But it's only a month, so I just, I always just want to tough it out, you know. Oh, cool. Jason, before the. Before the break, we started talking about adjustable rate loans, and um, I'm curious, do you what do you think about adjustable rate loans? I think if they're done appropriately, they're still it's a it's a good viable option. The, the problem is they're the guidelines were so loose when they were available that they well, just so came off the table completely. So those uh, those options just aren't available anymore. We have to be a little bit more creative now when uh, when we're putting these uh, purchase scenarios together. 
Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed in um, the way that our industry handled the adjustable rate loan. Really just ruined it. Right. Really ruined it. Um, people always start getting mad about this. And I, I I don't love giving you the fodder of why to hate loan officers because it's what I do for a living. Sure. Um, but we were so crossed up a few years ago that the adjustable rate loans that were given out um, you know, an adjustable rate loan is like fixed for some period of time. They pick a rate, fix it for that amount of time, say three years. And then at the three-year mark, it goes into an adjustment. And the adjustment, you you know what the calculation is, though it's hard to project what it may actually be. The calculation is an index, a published index like the LIBOR, the one-year LIBOR. Um, it's published every day. And so when it adjusts, they'll grab the Wall Street Journal and look at the LIBOR and they'll take the LIBOR and add a margin to it. The margin is, was negotiable. Sure. How many borrowers do you think negotiated their margin well? As far as the margin goes, there was no borrowers that went in there saying, hey, when it adjusts, I know there are options as when it adjusts, it's going to be the margin plus the index. So would I, um, would I be able to pick my margin? Should I be concerned about my margin? Is this a negotiable part of the transaction? Is the prepayment penalty necessary? There's a lot of factors there. That, yeah, uh... and here's the reality. Um, no one was going to let it adjust. Remember earlier when we were talking about, you know, the plan in 04 was, you know, by 2014, I'm going to be retired. I, I already own four houses. I'm going to get four more. These things are growing a million dollars of equity a year. I'm going to hit boardwalk and sell my eight greenhouses for two red hotels. And then you're going to find me with sand between my toes in 2014. That was mm -hmm. the, I mean, my hairdresser owned four houses. I'm not kidding you. Right. Boy, is it different today. So they weren't worried about what the margin was and what the margin meant. No one was going to go into an adjustment. They mm -hmm. weren't going to let it adjust and go up or whatever. Right. The plan. And if you asked your loan officer, well, what happens when it adjusts? Why would you let it adjust? You're going to come back to me at that point. You know, we'll get you a new fixed period or there'll be a fancy new loan product. These guys are inventing loan products every day. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll just get into the new thing. Don't worry about that. For today, the payment's less. Go buy. By the way, that loan officer probably isn't in the business anymore. He's not. He's gone. Yeah. And so now here comes the catch, dude, the crazy catch to this whole thing. It's index plus a margin, okay? I mm -hmm. feel like I've driven the point home. The loan officer's commission depended on the margin. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a very, very, it was the largest unregulated industry. So let's say the LIBOR index is 3% and the margin on the loan might be 2%. It would adjust to 5%. If today's LIBOR is 3% and the margin on the loan is 7%, it would adjust to 10%. Right. That's a very big difference. Why the difference in the margin? Well, the 2% margin was no commission to the loan officer. The, and then the 3%, 4%, 5%, 6% margin, which there was no regulation about, the higher the margin you could sell as an LO, the higher the commission would be from the bank. LO's loan officer, correct, yep. 
So just in summary, the borrower had no idea that their margin was ever going to matter. They had no idea it was negotiable. They weren't told that the loan officer's commission depended on it, and there was no laws to prohibit the act. Guess what a lot of those adjustable rate loans with the margin is? Pretty high. Pretty gnarly. Five, six, seven, eight percent. Yeah. You betcha. And now we wonder so why. So that's a lot of the loans that I've adjusted. And right. um, those are a lot of the reasons why people went into default. So I asked you, what's a um, what's your opinion of adjustable rate loan? A good conversationalist would have answered and then said, how about you? <laughs> how about you, Jason? What do you think? Today's adjustable rate loans are pretty awesome. The margin is fixed right. in most every case at 2.25%, and nobody profits. It's not possible to give somebody a higher margin for profit. Right. So today, the one-year LIBOR is 0.55. So if you were to go into adjustment today with a two-and-a-quarter margin, your loan would be adjusted today less than 3%. Right. That's pretty good. It's really good. It's very low. That's probably it's going to go up. You betcha. Sure. The LIBOR likes to live around six and a half percent. So at some point that thing could go up to 8.75. And, um, but the thing of it is, and this is not good radio when we start to talk too technically about these loans, but there are caps in there. There are caps that prevent them from going up too fast or too high in one adjustment or over the life of the loan. Their initial adjustment cap is just 2%. It can only go up by 2%. And then it can only go up by 2% a year. And it can only go up usually 5% over where it began. Today's five-year loan is 3.375. This means that at its very first adjustment, it can't go over 5.375. It can never go over 8.375. That historically is a very good loan. And if you understand the mechanics of how it works, so yes, at some point it has potential to be higher. How long will it take before it gets there? Well, it's going to be fixed for five years for sure. Mm -hmm. And even at the five-year mark, if the LIBOR is 7%, you add your 2% margin that says it should be 9 It can only go up 2 in that first year, so it's going to go to 5.375. And then the next year it could go up to 5. You know, or to 7.375. There's so there's seven, eight, nine years of safety built into it. And if you average out what that means cash flow wise to somebody, it means that if you fully do the math, it's a smart loan. If you know what's going to happen and you have a plan for it that doesn't depend on crazy appreciation. Right. Um, some of the people that I have that get adjustable rate loans in the last few years are people that don't even really need a mortgage. They've got the ability to have no mortgage, but they've got some cash that they like putting into the sidelines at 3%. Some of the five-year loans a year ago were like 2.5%. So what are the adjustable rate mortgages that you are recommending for people that uh, maybe have low down payment programs? Someone that maybe doesn't have 20% and wants to take advantage of uh, a low down payment program and also take advantage of the, the lower monthly payment and qualify for that adjustable rate mortgage. That's a pretty wicked combo. 
yeah. first of all. Yeah, those are the kind of people that I think you should really have some cause for concern for a couple different reasons. Number one, if you're if you're kind of on a shoestring budget to begin with, you don't have a demonstrated ability to save, unless something really changes in your life, you're not really going to be able to deal with an increased payment either. So that's probably not a good fit for somebody like that. Sure. Somebody that could benefit from a temporarily reduced rate because they've got a lot of upward mobility at work in terms of income or they own their own business and they can kind of control that factor a little bit more um, and has a demonstrated ability to save money. That's the kind of person that could weather some upward changes in house payment years down the road. Um, so I, I, as a rule, I'm going to, I'm going to counsel most low down payment slash first time home buyers away from dealing with anything adjustable. They don't have the equity, you know, cause this is the other thing. If you have a 50% loan to value, right? I have a, I have an $800,000 house that I owe 400 grand on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a lot better for candidate for an adjustable rate loan than somebody that has an $800,000 house that owes 800000 on it. Because sure. when the adjustment comes, let's just say your spouse passed away and she or he produced a lion's share of the income mm-hmm. and you no longer have that because it's five years down the road and this thing kicks into adjustment. Um, wow. You're, you're, in a, you're in a spot where now you got to change your reality a little bit. Thankfully, you owe four hundred thousand on an eight hundred thousand dollar house because you could qualify for a refinance easier. You could get a, a line of credit. You can sell your house and and pocket the equity and buy something that you could afford. Sure. But if you're in that same spot where you have a four hundred thousand dollar house and you owe four hundred thousand dollars on it, selling may not be an option. Refinancing is highly unlikely. Um, your options are severely limited. So to me, those are the two different profiles, the kind of person that should be dabbling in it. So in summation, I think an adjustable rate loan is to be used as a financial tool by the financially savvy people with money and equity that want to use something that they understand well to their advantage. It's not to be used by the people that have limited equity, tight budgets, and are trying to accomplish some affordability. Sure. Right. It's still a viable tool and option for the right person, for sure. But it it shouldn't just be thrown out. And that's just my opinions. There are people that are doing FHA loans where they're getting an adjustable rate loan to get their foot in the door. Um, I would argue that pretty pretty vehemently. I mean, and, and the reality of it is, is that I, I do try to be um, really, I try to be a facilitator in my loan transactions more than anything, mm-hmm. but um, I'm an expert in all things loan related and I know that. And um, in doing so, if I recognize that you're not doing the math right, <laughs> right. as a borrower, I got to point that out. Right. Hey, you, yeah, I I love that you recognized a way to save 500 bucks a month so you could buy more house. Um, However, here's the downside. And what's your plan for this? Because everybody, um, I was, I was sharing with you during the break that um, 
I own a, an ocean fishing boat and I enjoy fishing on the ocean. And at times on our little 26 foot boat, we'll venture 70 miles offshore. The cell phones don't work out there. The ship to shore radio has, because of the curvature of the earth, it has about a seven mile reach. Hmm. So you could get a message to shore if there was somebody every seven miles to pass your message along. Um, and I bring this up as a great analogy is when we go out on those trips, the ditch plan, as I call it, is more important usually than the original plan. Sure. Because my original plan is to put gas in the boat. I'm going to go 70 miles out and have a great day in the sun, kill a bunch of fish, come on back in, clean my fish and go to bed with a full belly. My ditch plan is I got a a, a satellite phone in a waterproof bag. I've got it right next to the life vests and the flare gun, which is where the survival equipment is. And that plan is much more important than my gonna go fish and come back plan. And I think that usually the ditch plan is more important than the original plan. And I think this is true in our household, in our finances. As you, you know, today's Saturday morning, somebody's listening to this show on their way to a car dealership. Mm -hmm. Things have been feeling pretty good. They got an extra 500 bucks a month. They're going to go get that BMW. And I, I look at those people and I say, okay, but what's your ditch plan? What happens if it doesn't shape up the way that you're hoping and that 500 bucks a month isn't there? Mm -hmm. um, and then I like to ask those tough questions. That's cool. Are you putting at least 500 bucks a month into your IRA every month? Because mm -hmm. I'm all for you having a nice car and a car payment. Are you able to contribute to your retirement plan? Um, and everybody that has a car loan, I don't, I'm not going to be bashful about this you should be saving more for your retirement than your car loan so if you have a car loan awesome 400 bucks a month i'm happy that you love the car you drive are you putting 400 bucks a month into your retirement plan and I, I don't think enough people are but that's the ditch plan that's the this is how we do it with your your discretionary income that you have every month you should you should plan on using that. You should plan on that changing. You should plan on a worst case scenario than just going, hey man, in 2014, I'm gonna sell these eight houses and get that, you know, the hotel. Well, it's the counseling that a lot of people didn't get. Like you said, yeah. any, anytime there's money involved and there, it's unregulated, there's, there's, I mean, there's potential for greed and that's, that's yeah. what we saw. There's a lot of that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. So, um, man, gosh, would you believe it if I told you we're down to 15 minutes left in the show? It's gone quick. Yeah. And, and surprisingly, you and know. And you let me lean on you today, and you said you weren't. Oh, I felt like you've been doing the lion's share of the uh, talking. I don't know if that's necessarily true. <laughs> okay. I think when the stats come out, I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, I had more, more time with the ball than you did. That's okay, though. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do the final commercial break here. Take time out to thank the sponsors that helped make the show possible. I stare through my three pages of notes, recognizing that we touched about 10% of it. So I don't know what we'll put into this next 15 minutes here, but we'll give it a go. Stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We don't have enough time with you. We just needed more time. You need to take over that 9 to 10 slot now. I meant to ask you about that. What's up with that? On the drive-in today, I noticed there was no Jeff Bradley. I heard somebody talking about internet privacy. and I mean, I love that a lot more than the cleanse my colon commercials that we had on before that. But um, So that spot's open. Yeah. And if We're somebody to wants some... to do that spot, they mm-hmm. could technically come in and have the seat before Mortgage Matters on we, Saturday morning. We've talked to a couple of people, but nothing, you know, no contract is it signed the, yet. Is it the whole hour that's open, 9 to 10? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we need to get in and sell it, don't we? we yeah. I heard one of the sales guys was um, going after um, fits that went well with our show. Yeah. You know, I think a, a financial planner or um, the guy that you uh, had in a couple of weeks ago has been approached about it too. Yeah, the for construction type of talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I just I like the idea of having Saturday morning booked up with high quality, non infomercial like high quality local mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, Jeff and uh, we had a party in the ways with him, but. But uh, yeah, we need to we need to get that filled. So if anybody's interested, you can call Josh Riley about it. All right, five four five zero one zero one. Yeah, 
There we go. That'd be I cool. Get a bonus out of that, don't I, we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd I'd love it if we got it filled up. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Well, um, that's it, buddy. That's all I have. So there's 11 minutes here, and this, this is for you. Any your final thoughts? Just take us home. So what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Children's Day in the Plaza. You don't get to interview me. Children's Day in the Plaza? Yep. What's yep. that? Um, I'm not exactly 100% sure, but I know my, my boy's super excited about going, so we're going to check it out. I know it's the 36th annual. So in they've slow? Been doing it a while, yep. Okay. Yep. So a lot of uh, fun events for the kids, entertainment, lots of food. Definitely something worth checking out. Awesome. All right, what else? I'm going tide pooling. I'm heading to Cayucas, low tide, 3 p.m. That's yeah. where you'll find me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's... Sometimes can be good fishing at the tide change, too. We did just look at some pictures of you fishing 70 miles out. Try, I'm, I'm going to get you excited about this. 70 miles is a long way. I like the, I like the, uh, the rock fishing. I can see the shore swim if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Ease me into it type of fishing, you know? I feel like that's a misconception, though. In that 53-degree water with your boots and your gear and everything on, if, if you ended up in that water going for shore two, three, four oh. miles from shore, I don't think you're going to make it anyway. You're so it's, right. a, it's a false sense of security. But that cell phone will work. The cell phone will work. And <laughs> yeah, you so could easily good. radio shore. Yes. And you're in usually an eye shot of another vessel that could come to your aid. These are all these all play factors into me wanting to rock fish, I think. Understood. Yeah, hey, I don't blame you. It's not for the faint of heart. No. When I we, can work up to it. When we leave at three or four o'clock in the morning and there's no moon or it's socked in with fog and mm -hmm. you're underway by just radar alone, looking for obstacles and using GPS to stay on your right track and coordinates as you zip across the water at thirty miles an hour in the pitch black. Hey. There's not a lot of people that can relax and enjoy that so that's a couple hour boat ride then yeah oh yeah you bet it usually and you don't you don't usually go that fast in the black of night but sure. um yeah you usually Three there's hours. a pretty epic feeling when like you finally realize that civil dawn is happening and though you can't actually see anything yet you know it's coming soon and then the sun pops up but you know you can really only see six or seven miles on the ocean anyway so once you've been underway in the dark for a few hours you get some sunlight that shows you really only how much water there is around you <laughs> and how there's no one near you right not even planes overhead so that whole time you're stressing about running into something soon goes away yeah hoping your radar is working really good right. what if there's a you know some obstacle or even like driftwood or um a basking shark uh, there's a lot of things that are a crab trap that, you know, has right. got a buoy and rope up on the surface, things like that, that could ensnare you or hurt you. It's just stressful endeavor, but it's fun. It's worth it. That's why I'll go on your boat. That right. seems like a lot to worry about. That's yeah. the best kind of boating to do is on a friend's boat, I think. Perhaps. Yeah. Hey, so there, there was a, a little bit more here that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Um, FHA lending has been, I want to say it's prominent. It's not, not by far 
the biggest part of our business. I mean, we use FHA loans. They make up less than 5% of the total loan volume we do. Mm -hmm. But the kind of people that FHA loans help um, are a good people. Mm -hmm. It's the first time home buyer, usually um, somebody with a low down payment and just, you know, got a, got a dream together. They got a good job. They can afford the payment and they're coming in to take a crack at it. And FHA fills that gap for those people. Mm -hmm. And um, they're good people. FHA loans very expensive. The mortgage insurance is like through the roof expensive. It has more than doubled in recent years. And and it kind of had to because um, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, exposure and deep losses that the FHA took mm -hmm. when these loans started to go belly up. Because um, really, when your FHA loan closes, there's the first component of your mortgage insurance, the upfront mortgage insurance. That money gets collected at closing, and the check is literally cut to FHA. So they get on a, you know, 1.75% of the loan amount, they get up front. So and, if and they tacked do, on to your principal balance from yeah, day one. so if they do a $500,000 loan for you, they get like 8,000 bucks or something close to that that they get at close and you, it becomes part of the loan that you owe. Mm -hmm. And so you pay that percentage of that every month with your um, mortgage payment. But you also have a monthly mortgage insurance, which is one and a quarter percent mm -hmm. um, of the original loan amount annually broken into 12 monthly payments. On a $400,000 house, this is over $400 a month. And recently they made it much more difficult to get rid of that to the yeah, tune of you can't get rid of life it. of loan type of mortgage right. insurance. It, now it used to be if you had it for five years and could get your principal down to a certain level, 78% loan to value, then, then we can talk about maybe removing that right. 300 or $400 obligation. Now all of a sudden that that's gone. You're going to pay it for the life of the loan, which sell which, your house or refinance it. Right. And I was talking earlier about the heartburn I get from knowing that I have such a low interest rate, mm -hmm. there are people that will be paying the mortgage insurance on their FHA loan when they know they've got 50% equity in their home. Right. But they have to do it because their interest rate's 3.5. Right. And they could refinance and stop the $400 a month mortgage insurance, but at the new interest rate of 6%, they would pay $500 a month more. Right, exactly. So they'll just keep paying it. Right frustrating and so um interestingly enough fha has been self-funded forever mm -hmm. they've the money that they get from the upfront and then monthly premium has been enough to cover loan losses for the riskier low down payment people that they bet on mm -hmm. um and so it's gotten very expensive and i saw this week that the um national association of realtors and by the way, National Association of Realtors is a pretty powerful lobbying group. They do a lot of great things um, for all of us that we don't even necessarily know they're doing. They're looking out for homeowners and home buyers and professionals of the industry in significant ways. National Association of Realtors has 1 million members. Wow. It's a very strong organization. They recently sent a letter to the FHA commissioner um, calling for FHA to reduce the high annual mortgage insurance premiums mm -hmm. 
and to eliminate this life of loan mortgage insurance. That would be nice. I don't know how far they're going to make it with this request. but <laughs> if you usually, don't ask, right? Well, and usually what, what ends up happening, because their membership is so strong and powerful, they have such good funding, they're able to lobby into some pretty impressive changes. And, and NAR doesn't take up a fight or a position in something like this if they don't feel like it's well justified. So we'll keep you guys up to date on what happens with that. Um, but I expect that it's probably going to catch headlines in coming weeks. Um, so speaking of FHA, if you are interested in buying a home and have no down payment, that's one of the loan programs that we use. Uh, we also use USDA loans, which are hundred percent financing and work in a lot of our County. So that's another, um, unique product that is creating home ownership opportunities for people without a lot of savings. Um, we're doing conventional loans and VA loans. We can do construction loans. We're doing some mobile homes and manufactured housing now. Um, we just still haven't yet figured out how to lend on the igloo, mm -hmm. um, but we're looking to add that too so that we can officially loan on any type of housing that you've got. Um, if you guys have any lending needs at all that you think uh, we may be able to help you with, either doing a loan for you or just presenting options to you so that you can be on your way in the research and planning aspect, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. The number to our office is one number for all of the offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. So you can give us a call. We'll tell you what your options are. There's a, there's a lot of different ways we go about it um, and really pride ourselves in, in a low pressure, kind of try to leave the salesmanship aspect out of it. Additionally, you can go on the web. We're at centralcoastlending.com. We have some great articles on there. Um, think there's something there for everybody. You can also fill out a loan application on our um, secure website where we can get your info and um, crunch the numbers for you, tell you what, what you might qualify for. Uh, I also just want to throw out here that we've crafted our company in a way that um, we know that we offer the lowest closing costs and interest rates around. So if you're working with another lender, um, got your solicitation in the mail and want to know if it's a good deal, Bring it to me. Let me beat it for you. 543-LOAN or centralcoastlending.com. Thanks for being here, Jason. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Have a great week.